Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast, where we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its many games. And this, the month before BlizzCon. It's it's not like the 12 days of Christmas. There's not like a, a wine, you know, not ascending countdown or anything. It's just we got a month to go or so. Actually, less than a month at this point, right? I, I should introduce Anne before I ask her questions. That's that's what you should do. Uh, with me this week, my fantastic co-host, Anne Stickney. Anne, it's Hi. like three weeks, isn't it? It's like two. It's like November 2nd. We're almost... Well, wait. What's today's date? I don't know. Seventeenth. My it? wife's it's birthday a... in two days. It's okay. the seventeenth today. Okay. So yeah, it, it's like two, a couple of weeks, yeah. two, three weeks. Yeah. That's it. I well, if it's the second, then it will be not next week, but the week after. It'll be at the end of next week, or the week after next week. Yeah. Because next week, next week is the last full week in October. Then the week after that, October ends like on like Wednesday. So Thursday, Friday, it'll be yeah two Fridays from the Friday that of this week. So yeah, two weeks. Yeah, Man. This, this month has just been kind of a blur because of like outside stuff going on, not not like Blizzard stuff going on, but personal life stuff going on. So I'm barely cognizant of what day of the week it is. I know it's Wednesday because we're recording a podcast, and I'm assuming yes. it's like about mid month because this is like the second one. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it it's been that way for me too for different reasons. But yeah, so yeah, two weeks till BlizzCon, we finally get to find out if there's a Diablo Four announcement. Please let there be a Diablo Four announcement. I'm I will also take fingers. the announcement of a Netflix show. Uh, yeah. Netflix show would also be very cool. I would be I would be one hundred percent down with that. Um, did you see that like the comic that they were going to release that got canceled? Yeah, I What's don't get what that? happened. Why do they keep doing these comic book projects and then like now nah, never mind. Why? What happened? Why? Why are you doing this to me? Well, I was really looking forward to what Marvel Wolfman was going to do with the Diablo property. So now I'm confused. Well, the thing is, is like they did this before with um, there was supposed to be an Overwatch graphic novel that was coming out that was going to explain, I think, like the origins of Overwatch or something like that, like the be- the beginnings of it. And then they went ahead and canceled that one. And I believe that the explanation given was that they had decided to go a different direction with the story, like the game story. So they didn't want to lock anything in that might, you know, no longer be canon as of six weeks after it was released or whatever. Right. So I totally get that. And I'm assuming that the same thing was going on with this one where it was like, they got the scripts in the can and everything. And they were looking at it and going, you know what, maybe we want to take the story in a different direction. So they just decided to call the whole thing off. And I get that. I do get that. There's like this weirdness going on when you try and orchestrate a print, a print, a piece of print material around a game release, particularly for a game that hasn't released yet or a game that's like brand new and still doesn't have all of the established lore with it or anything. World of Warcraft, you don't experience that kind of problem usually unless it's like you're writing material for an upcoming expansion that isn't out yet. But anytime you're working with material like that, the game side of things is a little more fluid. Like they've got room where they can go ahead and play with things and move things around. But with the print stuff, the print stuff is usually written so far in advance that if the game people decide, you know what, we want to go ahead and do something else, it totally messes with all that print stuff that was already written. So it's like, what can you do at that point? You could release it, but it's no longer valid, or you could just cancel it because it's no longer valid. So I'm assuming that that's what happened in this case. 
Well, one of the interesting things that's been pointed out online by quite a few people is the picture of Lilith from the Book of Adria, which you, we know with notes like I think that's actually out. Yeah, it came out this month. Uh, the picture of Lilith I thought from it was delayed. Of, oh well, there's a picture of Lilith from it. That's online. Okay. Okay. And it's the same character as the cover art for the now canceled Diablo comic. Like that's been online. They they released cover art for it. That cover art is of Lilith. So, so are we looking at, okay, I'm going to have you put your tinfoil hat on because you're way more, I have like a kind of like a basic knowledge of everything that's going on in Diablo, but it's a basic knowledge and you're way more into it than I am. Um, do you think that, what do you think the probability is that Lilith, if if there is a new Diablo game announced, how do you think Lilith, do you think Lilith would figure into that? Well... Um, I don't think it's a coincidence and the Diablo image, by the way, the Diablo image of Lilith is from the book of Cain. My apologies. Yeah. Um, but the image from book of Cain and the image that was on the comic that they teased is absolutely the same character. It's, it was Lilith. Um, if they were going to be putting out a comic involving Lilith, I gotta feel like they were going to do something with the character. Like it, it, my gut feeling is, is that these comics were intended to be an introduction to a Diablo four. That's my take on it. Um, does that mean there's not going to be a Diablo 4? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why they canceled it. It could be that they just... It could honestly be that they canceled it because it was going to be late. It wasn't going to come out in time. Like that, Maybe. One of, the problems, one of the problems with comics is that they they don't come out on time. Like You, you kind of have to... There's always scheduling issues. But I feel like Lilith, even just the few preview images we've got of her, showing that she's going to be in the comic, I feel like they were probably going to do something with her, and I feel like they're going to do something with her in-game. Um, but, you know, they've got... Should we just move on to top stories? Because that's something we can talk about. Well, I want to... I wanna. We're going to do that in a second here, but... I, and I mean, this kind of ties into that. So what I was asking was, you're familiar with all of these characters from Diablo. Do you want to give us like a brief overview of Lilith and how she would fit in with like, if they were to oh, develop yeah, another sure. game? Lilith is the reason the Nephilim exist. Uh, basically you've got She's two the figures. demon, right? Yeah. You've got two figures. You've got Anarius who is sometimes called an archangel and sometimes just called an angel. Uh, and it's, you know, he, he's the angel who got really tired of the, eternal conflict and was like i i, I want to stop because it's never going to end we're just going to keep fighting forever for no purpose they take the the pandemonium fortress and the world stone then we take the pandemonium fortress and the world stone and, and just rinse back and, and forth and back yeah. and forth yeah and he he got himself into a scrape with a bunch of demons where he lost and he was going to be destroyed which for, a, for an angel is it's bad but his essence would have gone back to the crystal arch and been reborn but he came to consciousness and that hadn't happened. He hadn't been killed. Instead, Lilith had saved him. And Lilith is the daughter of Mephisto. I don't know how that works. I do not understand how Mephisto has children. I do not know how, if demons reproduce in any specific way. But that's how she's always presented. Lilith Budding. is the daughter of Mephisto. Um, <laughs> okay, now. And so... Uh, thanks. Thanks for that image. Uh, have you ever seen old Mephisto? That's not a that's not a welcome idea. <laughs> or it was but like it, a Zeus situation where she just sort of sprung out of his head. I don't know. Yeah, but whatever she is, she too when she she was like she captured Inarius and thought it was amusing to like she was going to torture him or whatever. But when he came to, he was raving about the seeing sick of the eternal conflict, and she was like, "Yeah, 
you've got some good ideas. We should end this thing. And so the two of them got together and, you know, reached out to other like-minded angels and demons. And they did something neither side expected. They stole the world stone, which if you're wondering how the world stone got underneath Mount Ariat to be destroyed in Diablo 2, it's Lilith and Inarius's fault. They stole it. Yeah, they didn't steal it to destroy it. They just took it. Yeah, they, they took it because they wanted to make a world. That was yeah. the whole point. The world stone makes worlds. Nobody had ever created one that had lasted like permanently, though. And uh, that's what they did. They created sanctuary. The, the place you play, when you play Diablos 1 through 3, the place you do most of your game playing on is sanctuary. It's the world that they made using the world stone. Uh, they created it to hide. They were going to hide from the angels and the demons. And okay, so now my question is, what ultimately happened to Anarius? Okay, all right. Basically what happened is Anarius and, and Lilith and the other angels and demons were just existing on Sanctuary when a, a new wrinkle came to be uh, in that Lilith and other demons and angels got pregnant because they were having sex. That's just what happened. They, they were living together. They, they were having relationships. And the angels and demons created progeny. Those progeny were the original Nephilim. Guys like Bolkathos, um, Fiaka Giar. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he eventually became the when head you of the. Play, when you play in Diablo 3, you are playing as a Nephilim. Yes, that is correct. And you're playing as a descendant of these guys. Yeah. Because all humans are descendants of these guys. All humans in Sanctuary come from the Nephilim, who are descendants of angels and demons. And they were terrifying to their forebears because they were more powerful than them. They had the potential for enormous power. And it turned out that was Lilith's idea from the beginning. She wanted to see what would happen if angels and demons mixed. She wanted the, she wanted the Nephilim to be in the creation. She wanted to make them. Let's because she see wanted to, if instead yeah. of an eternal conflict, we all got along. Let's well, see what happens. That kind she's of a still, thing. She's still a demon. So her plan was to create this new species and rule over it as their progenitor and use them to destroy heaven and hell and rule both of herself. She's still evil. So she wasn't like, you know, she wasn't a good guy. This oh, was not she's... a good guy situation. This was not a Romeo and Juliet. Oh, a demon falls in love with an angel. It was she, she power grab actually, kind of. She even says like, she says many times, it's not that she didn't care about Anarius, but she is who she is. She's the daughter of Mephisto. She's, and he was kind of yeah. a stepping stone on her journey yeah. to do what she wants to but do. Unfortunately for her, when he found out of all of this, he had control of the world stone, which meant made him on, on sanctuary. He was practically all powerful. So he used the world stone to banish her to a, to a complete non-existence dimension where there's just nothing and she can't get out because there's no way to get out from nothing. It's not um, even a cow level. Yeah. It's just nothingness. He banished her there, and he used the World Stone to tweak the world so that the Nephilim's descendants, like anybody descended from the original Nephilim, would not gain access to the power that is their birthright. And that's where humans come from. Sanctuary, the, Sanctuary was coded in such a way by the World Stone that they couldn't use their power. Um, Except that there were glitches. Yeah, the, eventually over time, the World Stone stopped being aligned properly because... It's not intended to be used continually like this. Its its purpose is to make worlds, not to then modify them. Uh, so, Anarius set himself up as kind of a sort of a deity figure, watching the world, not really interacting with it. He also destroyed like the, the 
Lilith saw that the the, the ancestors of the angels and demons were going to, to kill the Nephilim, so she killed them before they could. Uh, and and as this a result, was before she was sealed away. Yeah, and already sealed her away. That he was going to kill her, but he couldn't bring himself to. He still cared too much about her. She'd helped him create sanctuary. They had children together. The the guy who's the the I can't remember his name at the moment, and that's really annoying. But the guy who founded ultimately the the uh, necromancer order, not Tragul, but the one directly below him. He. Oh, I know was, who you're talking about, and I can't remember the name, but yes. He was Lilith and Anarius's son. He was the first Nephilim, and he's the one that decided to try and find balance. But the, him and the other original generation of Nephilim, they might still exist, but they don't exist in a conventional sense. They're not how just out of, there. How much of humanity realizes that they're Nephilim? Almost none of them. They don't. They it's, don't know. Yeah, it's not the Nephilim are very distant, mysterious figures that like they're like gods to them. Um, the, when you're doing Diablo three, uh, Reaper of Souls, you find out that Brachus, who is the guy that founded Westmarch, led his people to Westmarch in the first place, looking for the ancient city of the Nephilim, and he only founded the kingdom as a cover. Like he made that kingdom just so he'd have a power base for which to explore the Nephilim ruins he was looking for. That Lilith, hi, not Lilith, oh God, I can't remember her name, Adria. Adria, when you go to kill Adria, Adria is hiding in the old Nephilim ruins. Um, he never found them. He, he went, sent people to look for them, but he could never find them. And when he found out, when he found out about the uh, world, world Stone, he decided, I'll, I'll go conquer the, the uh, barbarians and take the World Stone. And he couldn't do it. The barbarians were just too hard to fight. Okay, just That's in, why the interest, West exists. in the interest of time here, let's just go ahead and sum up just with like real quick answers. Where is Anarius now? We don't know because the when during the end of the Sin War, when the Nephilim returned and the, all this stuff happened that would take way too long to explain, in order to broker peace between the angels and the demons and prevent Sanctuary from becoming a new battleground, uh, the angels gave Anarius to Mephisto. Okay, so he, his whereabouts are unknown. He is likely being tortured a lot, but By we don't Mephisto, know. who is essentially yeah, kind likely. of like his father-in-law, but not really. You remember when you locked my daughter up in an eternal prison from which she can never escape? Yeah, let's let's have talk. Let's have a talk let's, about that. Let, let's chat about that. Um, Lilith is Lilith still in void dimension wherever? She almost escaped during the. Uh, in fact, I think she did actually escape during the Sin War, but I think she's back in there now. Yeah, the the end of Sin War. Eventually, everything gets a, it gets a big cosmic reset button at the end of Sin War, and nobody remembers it except uh, the few people that were like you Sin know, War and was that was Diablo two. No, no, that no, this is actually thousands like thousands of years before. Yeah, the I know, but games. when did they talk about it? Was it Diablo they, two that they talked about it a bunch? Or gets mentioned some in Diablo two, some in Diablo three. It gets mentioned in the books of Cain and and uh, the book of uh, that really nice angel book material. Yeah. Uh, so it gets mentioned. Really it gets nice mentioned angel. around. <laughs> Okay. Doing the best I can to remember. So if we want to think about that and think about where they're at, these are the two beings that are responsible for the creation of the Nephilim. They didn't want, well, Lilith didn't want the Nephilim to get too powerful, right? Oh, no, she did. She, she did? She's the one that wanted, she, uh, Inarius wanted them just to not be so powerful because if they got too powerful, they'd, get, they'd call the attention of the angels and the demons, and he didn't want that. Lilith wanted them to get powerful enough to take out the angels and the demons and just rule the universe. All so Lilith would her. have, essentially, Lilith would have a very vested interest in a Nephilim that managed to kill the Reaper of Souls. It's certainly interesting to her since that's kind of her endgame 
is to ultimately be more powerful than the angels and the demons. That's when her we way to off, end the war. Yeah, when we left off at the end of Re Reaper of Souls, we had Tyrael realizing that we were super powerful. And maybe in all of that powerfulness that we had, we were also super dangerous. Like a powder keg waiting to go off. I mean, we essentially killed an angel or, well, a fallen one. I mean, he was yeah. kind of like the angel of death or whatever he called him. What did he call himself? No, he called himself the angel of death. Angel and he of was death. using, he wasn't just the angel of death. He was the angel of death using the power of the prime evil as a weapon. Like he, he was throwing significant power levels at the Nephilim who still beat him. And yeah, that would definitely be interesting to, to Lilith. Absolutely. I don't know. Since the comic it hasn't is never going to come out, we have no idea what the story was originally. It might very well the be sort that of the story thing, was too close, you know? I was going to say, this is the sort of thing, though, that would be a natural progression of that story. Were we to get a Diablo 4, this is one of those things, yep. those hooks that Absolutely. could work into that. Okay. All right. That was a really lengthy explanation, but I don't think that people mind. <laughs> we don't it's talk about Diablo podcast. too often. Yeah, we don't we don't talk about Diablo too often. So I kind of wanted to like go over it. And yeah, let's go ahead and go into the top stories because one of them is relevant. Yeah, um, one of the top stories this week is that the Bliss the BlizzCon has finally announced its floor plan. Like you you can go and see where the they released the map things. basically. Yeah, the map. And uh, one of the interesting things is that we, they've moved the uh, Diablo 3 demo for the Switch to the main stage, which is interesting. Um, not hardly groundbreaking, but interesting. But there's also something called the Herodic Retreat, and we don't know anything about what that is. Uh, we just know it's on the map. You can go to it for some reason. You can do something there. It, nothing's been announced for it, but if it's called the Herodic Retreat, it's almost certainly Diablo-related in some way. Um, it, when I am looking at this map... When I am looking at this map for BlizzCon, it, it seems like they changed the orientation of the stage in Hall D um, to where it's no longer facing, like the stage isn't against the sidewall, it's against the back wall. And that spot where there's a demo area for Diablo 3, there wasn't a demo area there before, to my knowledge, if I'm looking at this map right, as somebody who has been to BlizzCon like quite a bit. Um, it just, it looks like this, the mythic stage, like the orientation has switched. It's facing the other direction. Um, mythic stage is usually where they do all of the big major panels and everything. So the fact that they've got a Diablo three demo right at the back of that thing is kind of like, huh? Okay. That's interesting. Um, and then next door, they've got the World of Warcraft demo area and the tournament stage for World of Warcraft. Next to that is Heroes of the Storm demo and Heroes of the Storm tournament stage. Next to that is StarCraft II tournament stage and the StarCraft demo. And there's also an Overwatch demo there. And then, of course, you know, the arena where they do the Overwatch stuff, the Overwatch arena, that's off to the side. Um, it's like you kind of go through another set of doors beyond the Overwatch demo area. So they have it split out pretty well as far as where everybody is at and um obviously you know the north hall in level one that's where they've got the hearthstone demo hearthstone tournament everything else and up above is the dark moon fair and the smaller stages they seem to have laid it out like it's laid out so that every everything has its place and every every ip that they've got has a really dedicated area uh, except for Diablo, the only thing that Diablo has is that demo stage and the Heraldic Retreat, but it's right off the mythic stage. So, I mean, we saw the schedule, right? Yeah. The first thing that they're going to be talking about is Diablo, right? 
Yeah, and I mean, theoretically, it could very well just be that they're going to talk about the Switch. I always feel like I have to manage any expectations here. Uh, I don't feel like Diablo on the Switch is enough for a big BlizzCon announcement. I don't think so either. And the thing is, is usually that panel right after the opening ceremony, that is the big thing of the show that they're talking about right then. When they announced Overwatch, Overwatch was the big thing that they talked about right after that. When they announced Battle for Azeroth, the big thing that they talked about right after that. So it's like, I I don't know. You know, I hate getting my hopes up because like, we've pointed this out before we've always expected there to be some Diablo something and then it never shows up and we're kind of disappointed but all signs seem to be pointing (laughs) yeah it would definitely be something I at this point I would not be surprised either way like if if they don't make a big announcement I wouldn't be surprised but with the rumors of the Netflix show which are pretty they're not confirmed, but they're pretty highly sourced. The rumors at this point, the people who have, who have made statements are people who are relatively placed in the industry. Um, the, the whole thing with the comic book and suddenly being canceled without any real understanding of why the switch port, I really feel like there's, there's room for a Diablo announcement this year. And I, I would not be surprised to see one. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's when been we so it. long. I just want some new Diablo news. Some like really big Diablo news and a new yeah, game. Absolutely. If they were working on a new game, that would be fantastic. Um, it feels like now is the time too, because the industry is kind of going through a shift where companies that used to make big RPGs are kind of moving away and other companies are moving in and making big RPGs. It'd be a good time for Blizzard to kind of remind everyone we, we perfected this genre. You know, Diablo helped create it, helped perfect it. And this is what we're going to do for the big new one. Ah, you know that dungeon crawler RPG thing that you guys like so much? Here's another one. And it's one of the best. You know, We'll see what happens I, with that. But... Yeah, I'm just, I'm excited. I'm excited to find out. And we don't have that long to wait. Anyway. No. It's that was a be lot of weeks. Diablo we just yeah. talked about. <laughs> I should also mention, um, Junkenstein's Revenge is live. Junkenstein. Uh, Overwatch. Junkenstein, sorry. Junkenstein, Junkenstein. I sound like, like young Frankenstein. Are you Frederick Frankenstein? <laughs> Uh, no, it's not Igor. It's Igor. <laughs> yeah. but that's out now, and um, we have a write-up on the site, basically how to get the achievement quickly. Yeah, uh, there's a there's I... um a bunch of different achievements I think that you can get with Junkenstein's Revenge. One of them is the Survivor achievement, and that requires your team to finish and complete four bonus waves on expert difficulty. Um, that's usually pretty difficult to accomplish. But it's gotten a little bit easier this year. And yeah, Tyler threw together a guide on how to get this. And it involves like Brigitte, Zenyatta, McCree, and then either a Soldier 76 or a Torbjorn. And it all depends on how you guys are laid out. And it also depends on Brigitte's passive healing. And then, you know, obviously you got Zenyatta out there to do transcendence in in a pinch, that kind of thing. Um, It's a good guide if you're looking at trying to to knock that achievement down this seems to be the best year to do it to like knock it out because doing it is it difficult yeah it's still going to be difficult it's not going to be you know a cakewalk or anything like that but it's a little bit easier to accomplish this year just due to the heroes and their various abilities so go check out that guide if you're interested in clearing that one yeah which you know hey it's it is getting to be halloween it's like blizzcon's going to be two days after halloween that's I know that's weird, so right? Weird, yeah. That's just good. Good time for a cosplay, I guess. But yeah, that's that's messed up. Yeah. Um, 
also last week um it actually happened thursday so it was the day after this podcast last week um ian hasacostas did another q a for battle for azeroth talking about various things a lot of it was just the, the typical discussion of azerite armor because that's been the popular topic but there was some other stuff to talk about um one of the things i'm going to mention is the new warfront that's coming the battle for darkshore that's going to be running in parallel with the current one uh, so you'll have Darkshore up right away. As soon as it comes out, Darkshore will be up right away with the Alliance attacking. Um, meanwhile, the, the, the Horde will have the other one. So it's going to go back and, and forth the way between the two. I, I, I should reiterate, because they mentioned it on in the Q&A, the way that it's going to... It's not going to be like an exact one-for-one exchange, but the way that it's going to kind of work, the way that it should be working is that you could be contributing on one war front while attacking on the other war front and vice versa. Um, yeah, so, so that basically yeah, each side will have something to do. You'll, you'll have some piece of war front activity to participate in pretty much every week-ish. Um, the timing of these, obviously they aren't really timed with the weekly reset or anything. They're kind of on their own schedule. Yeah. They're, so... they're, right now, for instance, uh, right now they're actually up the uh, alliance is like three days left on the war front right now. Yeah, I need to go run it a couple more times. I ran it the one time, and I got a piece of 370 gear that I already had. So that did nothing for me. <laughs> I have I, I've been slowly clawing my way upwards. You you know how I you know the endless saga of the daggers. Mm-hmm. Well, there was another dagger world quest today, and because my daggers are now like 320, 325, something like that. The reward from this one was a 330 dagger. So it's like, okay, one step up again. <laughs> I'm still not having any luck with LFR <laughs> as far as getting those dagger drops. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I did the Warfront on my on one of my warriors last night. and Not last night, the day before. Mm. And I got, the, uh, I got a 370 weapon. Have you been killing the rares out there in Arathi? No, no, this was just from the quest. The no, no, quest no, but I mean, like, in off. general, have you been killing the rares out there in Arathi? I do. I don't, I mean, I do every so often. Like, I, I usually, when my, with my wife, we'll go and we'll clear them all out, like, in one big sweep. Have you uh, gotten but... any of the good stuff? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, because so far, I've gotten, the first week that they were open where you could go farm the rares, I got the raptor mount off of the raptor rare, and I was like, Wow. That was really lucky. That's really cool. I'm glad I was lucky. And then I got, um, I don't know, like two or three pets, something like that, or toys, or I think I got a toy and a couple of pets. That first week was like a really good week. And then the next week when I went in, I figured, okay, I'm probably going to get, I might get like a pet and and that's it because my luck was really good last week and I can't really expect that to hold out, right? I got a pet, but I also got the horse mount while I was out there. So that's like two war fronts with two mounts. So I don't know if it's like, if you farm it religiously, you're just going to get these drops or if I'm just like stupid lucky and I'm not going to see another mount for like six months. <laughs> I, I've not seen a single mount or pet. I got okay. the costumes. I got the, the, the weird head mask and I got the costume that makes you an ogre. That's the, all the I've toys. Gotten. Yeah. I've got, yeah. Those. I've gotten but like one of the else. toys, but just one of the toys. And I don't think it was a mask or anything. I think it was like a random, I don't remember what it was exactly. It wasn't, it wasn't like anything super special where I was like, oh man, this is the coolest toy ever. It was just like, oh, well, a toy for the toy box. Okay. Um, 
Oh, I should also mention, I didn't mention, because we just jumped right into that whole Diablo conversation stuff. Um, I'm exalted with everybody but the Tortolan now. Yay. I'm still waiting on the Tortolan. I'm still doing the world quest for him. But like everybody else, I'm kind of like, do I really want to bother doing world quests for you? Because these reputation rewards no longer hold any meaning. I'm surprised they didn't go with Paragon rep. They like said they, they, that's one of the things he's actually said on previous ones that that's something they want to do, but they're not going yeah. to be doing it right away. Yeah. I am surprised they didn't have it to begin. But well, considering that so many of the rewards from like the mission tables and from the world quests and you know the emissary stuff, obviously a lot of those rewards they include reputation or they're just a chunk of reputation. When you max out that reputation, they're no longer valid. There's no point in running them. So with the mission table right now as it stands, I don't think I've ever gotten a mission for Tortolan on the mission table. So the only thing that I'm looking for, the only thing I can look for on the mission table is the measly little gold rewards, which I guess they're okay. They're better than nothing. Or Azerite. And that's it. Like, that's it. I'm just confused. I don't know. I yeah, There's, there's I, a lot I'm... about Endgame here that I'm just kind of like, what are you guys thinking about? When you when you set all this up, what, what were you all thinking about? Because it doesn't seem like there's enough here to keep people with the vested interest. I don't, so, know. I don't know. I I feel like there's a lot to do, but some of it is stuff I don't particularly want to do. So yeah, yeah there's there's back and forth on it. But they talked about tank balance, and I'm going to mention this. Uh, yeah. Actually, I'll mention this one real fast. They haven't. They said that they do not currently have any plans to readjust the Death Knight starting area for new allied races, but they're aware that it kind of sucks if you want to play a death knight you can't currently play any of the new allied races and that's something they're they're looking at and they want to address in the future i'm not sure how they're going to address it in the future but that's something they are they are thinking about uh but in terms of tank balance death knights and monks are kind of like the super popular tanks right now like um they're the ones that everyone thinks are like the, the most unkillable and they are talking about it in terms of Brewmaster and Death Knight are a little too hard to kill, and Prot Warrior and Guardian Druid are a little too easy to kill. Um, Prot Warriors also have low DPS, but they didn't mention that in the thing, because no, of course they didn't. Uh, and we'll see what they're going to do. The PTR is supposedly going to have changes for, uh, for Prot and Guardian to get them up to the same survivability as other tanks. So we'll, we'll see what those they're changes gonna are. They're going to beef them up a little bit? Hopefully. I don't know. Maybe they're just going to nerf everybody. Who knows? According uh, but... to Sigmund Fritzkau in the chat channel here, they said that Paragon Rep is in 8.1. So Paragon Rep is on the way. It's just not here yet. Um, well, that's good. Okay. All right. I'll take that, I guess. Um, I don't really have a choice but to take that. <laughs> Let's hope there's some good Paragon rewards in there because I'm cool with grinding Rep. I mean, I'm I, I'm cool with grinding Rep as long as there's like a point to it. But I've reached the point where there's no longer a point to it. So I kind of like, I don't know. I guess I just got used to the Paragon system in Legion. I really liked it. Um, I liked grinding for the boxes. I, the only thing that I didn't appreciate in Legion with Paragon Reputation was that it you were essentially waiting on a random drop to get the mounts. I was lucky I managed to get all of the mounts before the expansion was out. Like every mount from every Paragon box, I have it. Um, and that's because I was kind of obsessive about hitting those reputation things every week and getting those knocked out of the way as quickly as possible, as many times as I could. Um, regardless, 
I still felt like, and I still feel like, there should be something implemented with that Paragon system where if you don't get the drop, you get some kind of currency and you can squirrel up that currency so you can buy that ultra rare drop someday. So that even if you don't get lucky with the drops, you will still get that mount at some point in the nebulous future. You're not just farming for nothing and hoping. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think I understand because for me, I didn't. I got one of the mounts from Paragon by accident and I never tried for any others. But I've been looking at, one of the things I've been doing in this expansion is island expeditions. And I love those the, things. One of the things that Ian was talking about was that island expeditions are intended as your Azerite farming system. If you want to farm as much Azerite as you can get, you'd run island expeditions. And a lot of people are frustrated by that because they what they want is the transmog pieces and the toys. And they're not getting them. Like They're just not dropping. And I haven't seen anything. I've run a lot of expeditions. I've seen nothing drop. I've gotten nothing. one thing. I got a dead monkey yeah. pet and that's it. I've gotten literally nothing. Like nothing but Azerite ever. And so I've seen like the, the transmog pieces on the AH for like, you know, 500,000 gold. Yeah, because apparently and they're I, super, super rare. Yeah, and I, I just, I don't have it. Um, I'm, I don't have it to spend. So I'm hoping when they do the Paragon system, they'll put those, uh, those prizes in the Paragon system because people don't want to do island expeditions anymore because the, the drop rates are so low. If they don't feel compelled to do them to try and get a transmog piece they want, then I think that would take some pressure off and make people less antagonistic towards stuff like island expeditions. Yeah. So I'm hoping they, they broaden out the Paragon rewards and have more stuff in them. Slowpoke yeah. in the chat channel says, for gear, sure, but for mounts, no thanks. Keep those rare to encourage farming boxes. I'm not saying that they should be like, you know, oh, you get 50 of this currency every week, and when you get 150, you can buy the mount. I'm saying that, oh, you get, you know... 20 of this currency every week and you have to save like 10,000 of it to get them out. Like it's going to take you a long time to get the currency to purchase that mount. But if for some reason your luck is absolutely terrible, you will still get that mount someday. <laughs> Somewhere in the nebula suit. It gives you something to work for instead of just depending on RNG. And I feel like as a player, that feels a little better. Even if it is an excruciatingly long grind, at least you know that there's an end to it someday. You know, you know what I mean? I understand that. It's, it's not something I worry about because I'm not focused on collecting mounts or pets. But I get it. Yeah, I know why people... I, I understand why people might want a system where they could actually guarantee it. My wife just got done doing the uh, time walking just to get that Zulon mount. Oh, Yeah. You know, it's a really so pretty I, mount, though. Yeah, it is, and it's a mount that she bought. Yeah. So it's not like buying a mount makes it not cool. It's not like people don't want it. It just so. takes a longer time to get it. That's all. Yeah. Um, the other thing to point out um, that they're also looking at doing uh, from the Q&A, alt-friendliness. That's one of those things that people have been kind of, eh, about because, like, the war campaign isn't exactly the most alt-friendly thing in the world. Flight paths aren't exactly the most alt-friendly thing in the world. Um, they're looking at implementing things in place. Uh, with the war campaign right now, finishing a war campaign chapter it gives almost no repu reputation so they are going to be changing that in the future to add a large chunk of reputation to those chapters so basically you'll be able to complete a chapter and move on to the next one on an alt 
that kind of thing. Sort of like how they sped up the process for uh, the Suramar campaign in Legion. The other thing that they're looking at is with flight pass. There's a lot of different ways for people to level and they don't all necessarily involve going through every zone and playing through every zone, um, which means that when you hit 120, you're like, oh, cool, I have world quests all over the place, and I have flight paths to none of those places. So you had to run around and find all the flight paths. They're looking at adding maybe like a book or something like that that you can buy at max level that'll unlock every flight path for your alt automatically so that when you start playing your alt, you have all those flight paths already. Um I like Which both would be of those nice. things. Yeah, yeah I that, like both of those things. Nice. Yeah, the, the 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 book of flight paths in particular, I think, is a really good one. Reputation in general is getting a revamp. I know that they've talked about you're going to basically stuff like the achievements for uh, unlocking allied races will count uh, count wide. So if you've got exalted with like one group with one guy, but not with another, you'll get exalted for both for the purposes of the achievement. So that kind of stuff is happening. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because um, there's a reputation achievement where you need like 100 100 achievements. I think it's the esteemed. I think that's what that one is called. Um, You need to have 100 reputations maxed out to Exalted to get that one. I am, when I hit Exalted with the Tortolan, I will be at 98 on my one character. Because that achievement only counts on one character at this point. Um, In 8.1, they are changing it so that it counts achieve it counts reputation on all of your characters. The two that I'm missing on my main character are two of the PvP factions, and I have those two PvP factions maxed out exalted on one of my other characters. So I should get that. <laughs> and I'm very happy about that because I really don't want to max out I don't want to do the Arathi Basin grind again, guys. I just don't. <laughs> it's a painful Anyway, so yeah, the Q&A, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about it? Do you think that they answered enough questions? Do you think there are questions that they maybe should have addressed but didn't? I think we're at the point now where people keep asking the same basic questions, hoping for a different answer. Yeah. Um, especially with Azerite. People yeah. keep asking questions, hoping someone will say, yeah, we're junking it or whatever. That's not going to happen. Azerite armor has been a big part of the iteration of this expansion to this point. They can't just throw it out because they don't have anything to replace it with. They don't have a bunch of tier gear waiting in the wings to take its place. The the itemization for at least whatever the, you know, the itemization for the next raid coming in 8.1 is already done. So it will be Azerite pieces. It's going to be the piece, you know, if, if you're lucky, they could maybe make itemization changes for the last raid. And I don't think they will. I think they've already got that in the pipe too. Slowpoke is a gamer in the chat channel says honestly the fact that Ian spent the first like 30 minutes discussing the same Azerite issues tells me that maybe instead of a and a Ian should just do a sit down water cooler on it and I think that's an excellent idea I think at this point though there's nothing new to say I think they keep addressing it because people keep asking it and there's no doing a, a sit down water cooler would literally just be this is everything we just said in three Q&As. I've now rounded it all up and I'm going to say it again. And I don't feel like there's anything new to be added on this subject. And I feel like the Q&A really should have gone into more depth on what 8.1 is actually going to be, what we're going to get, when we're going to get it, what it's going to be like. Because people are interested and there's tons of stuff to talk about. There's the new raid, there's the new Warfront, there's the new raid after the new raid. There's, there's all the story content. Yeah, yeah, there's stuff to talk about. 
talk about it. Don't, don't, you, you're not going to, people are not going to suddenly decide, you know, they're right. It is mostly a matter of tuning on as a right. Either people are willing to let you tune and iterate or they're not, and you're not going to win them at this point. Uh, and I, I guess that's just, sometimes you got to cut your losses. You, there's no point to having the discussion again. You're not going to say it in a way that's suddenly going to make people go, oh, you're right. No, they've heard this. They've heard what you had to say on it. Either they were convinced or they weren't. Um, I feel like the focus on trying to get people on board is, is a little too much. That's, that's my take on this. I also feel like that despite, despite the issues with the Azerite, and yes, there are issues with Azerite gear and everything, and everybody's, you know, we've heard those stories over and over again. We've seen, like, you know, everybody's explanations as to why it's not working. We've seen Blizzard go over it again and again and again in these Q&As and talk about it and talk about how they need to do tuning and they're looking at this and they're looking at that. Despite all of that, this expansion still isn't as bad as Warlords of Draenor was. <laughs> Is there some problematic pieces to it? Yes, there are some problematic pieces to this and I think the Azerite kind of ties into a lot of that. Um, people aren't necessarily super fond of it or anything, but I still feel like there's more here than what we got in Warlords and I'm happier with it. I'm not as excited about this expansion as I was with Legion because Legion's endgame was really fascinating right out the gate and they had the whole artifact thing nailed down like they that was a really good system and it worked really well it just feels like they tried to carry that over to some degree with the whole Azrite thing and it's just not landing the same way I don't know why I don't know why but I do know that I don't I still log in and I find plenty of things to do for me I'll say this right off the gate I think Battle for Azeroth uh, has had a pretty solid launch uh, I don't feel like you can say that the leveling content was great, and I felt like I had plenty to do at Endgame. Um, there's there is stuff about it I don't like as much as Legion, but I think biggest problem Battle for Azeroth had was coming after Legion, and coming after Legion after all of Legion's patches. It's because, a hell of an act to follow. Well, not just that, but Legion started off slower than Battle for Azeroth did. It, there was less to do when you first got to 110 and, and Legion than there is in Battle for Azeroth at 120. A lot of the stuff we think of as key Legion stuff came after launch, not after first patch, but after launch. There was stuff that, that you didn't get right away. And uh, also, Legion had the class, every class had its own thing. So if you were playing an alt, you got a completely different experience. Like your, your Death Knight alt got a completely different experience than your rogue main or your such an interesting experience too and it's just not battle for azeroth is focused on the faction stuff so if you love if you leveled horde after you leveled alliance you'd get a different thing but if you've got a bunch of alliance alts you're working on or a bunch of horde alts they're all going to get basically the same story and that's just it's sort of like going on like after the beatles even if you're a great band, you're going on after the Beatles. It doesn't even matter if you're a better musician than the Beatles are. They're the Beatles. Yeah. You know, you, you, <laughs> you're, you're going on after like the expansion that hit so many people's sweet spots in so many different ways and, and did it in, in like a, a lore rich, completely nuanced new way that you'd never seen before. I feel like telling people, okay, now you have to get weapons again. Okay, now you have to work on the, the the stuff we didn't like about artifacts, like the whole getting Azerite, uh, you know, artifact power. That you have to keep doing. 
Uh, but you don't get as many powers, and you can't kick all the same powers eventually, so it actually does matter what you choose. And you get different powers based on which piece of armor you get. People are like, what? And, and what's that about weapons again? Oh, yeah, you may not get one for a long time. Or you may get lucky. Like, you know, some people get lucky and have a 380 main hand and a 370 offhand. Other people are like, yeah, I'm slowly grinding. I'm slowly managing to get daggers. That kind of stuff, people, it, it, they were not ready for that. There's a certain amount of, like, power <laughs> Six, loss they wait. were not ready for. 6006 in the chat channel said, we were hoping this would be an Abbey Road to a Sergeant Pepper, and instead we got the monkeys. <laughs> hey, the monkeys are a really good band. Yeah, they were. They were, but they weren't the Beatles. No, exactly. I think that is, to a certain degree, that's a problem. Like the, the, There's just no way for this story to be as engaging for as many people. Everybody wanted to stomp on the Legion, but not everybody wanted to go stomp on the faction some of their friends are on. There's a point where, like, just my speaking for myself, I, I can't say some of the stuff I feel about the story, not because I want, I don't, I'm afraid of hurting people's feelings, but because there's people I, I'm friends with who play that faction, and and it's not cool for them to to feel like they're being made the bad guys, you know. And that's that's a, a change that isn't Legion didn't have. Nobody was worried about hurting the Burning Legion's feelings. No, I certainly wasn't. Definitely but not. I have friends who play Horde characters, primarily Horde characters, and you know the faction war isn't something for us. It's also, um, to, to go back to something that you mentioned earlier, it's also, there's the whole artifact weapon chains, artifact, you know, the class hall order chains, that kind of thing. It's kind of telling that when I finish leveling my horde alt, I will have played through that story on both sides. But there are still Legion stories that I haven't played through. There are still classes I haven't leveled through Legion content, and I've missed those stories. So there's yeah. still stuff that I can go back and play for legitimate story content and expansion to go. And that's the thing is like Legion managed to do that. And it doesn't feel like battle for Azeroth. If only the problem is simply that battle for Azeroth is being judged by a story standard that is practically impossible. And the fact that they managed it even once is kind of a miracle. And now it's like, we're, we're to like, me, a it little... kind of reminds me a little bit of the shift from uh, dragon age origins to dragon age two. Where Dragon Age Origins, you had so many different like origin storylines that you could play through, and each one was like its own little experience. And then you got to Dragon Age Two, and it was pick a male hawk or a female hawk, and you're playing the same thing through beginning to end. Like there are different paths that you can choose and things like that in Dragon Age, but that whole experience where it was like, ah, oh, you've got all these different classes and you've got all these different backgrounds and each one has its own little introductory thing that you can play through. It's it's not that anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, although I like Dragon Age 2 better, so... Me I'm, too, I'm but... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I do think that that to a degree, we'll see what Battle for Azeroth looks like after 8.1, after 8.2. We'll see how I feel about the story then. I've, I've gotten some story spoilers for 8.1 I'm not going to talk about but I've I've been keeping up on it. I'm aware of, of like what people are saying. But for me, it comes out to seeing how it all comes down. Right now, I still think Battle for Azeroth is a very solid expansion, and would be like one of my favorites if I if I just was more of that story's person. But I'm not. This isn't a story for me. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a bad expansion at all. They've, it's they've not. Done some it's stuff. just they were, they were following up Legion, and Legion is probably one of the best ones that they've done. 
Yeah, uh, they've done some stuff in Battle for Azeroth that genuinely, completely threw me, and I was really surprised. But it's all been stuff like the the stuff around the edges, the 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 the, the drust, or you know, the stuff with the loa. The stuff around the edges. The, that's the loa cool stuff and... is super cool, and the drust stuff is super cool too. But I'm really getting into the loa stuff right now because I'm playing my horde alt. So yeah, like. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot of really interesting stuff going on there. Um, it's not that they've neglected the story. The story is fantastic. Um, playing through all of the stuff with Jaina when you hit 120, mm-hmm. that yeah, was oh, yeah. some of the best storytelling I have ever played through in-game. I've never wanted to run a Mythic Dungeon more than I wanted to run Siege of Boralus. Yeah. And to the point where I was willing to tank it, and I hate tanking Mythic Dungeons. That's just not something yeah. I want to do anymore. But I did. I tanked it just so I get to see the end of that. Um, and and it yeah. was worth it. It was so worth oh, yeah. it. That was it's the cinematics have been great. But yeah, um, we've blown through a lot of show here, and we haven't even touched email. So I'm going to say Oops. we should at least try and do one or two. Okay, um, let's go ahead and do that. Okay. If you've got an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with podcast or blizzardwatch in the subject line, so we know it's for the show. Um, Anne reads them for us, so she'll do that for us right now. Okay, this first email is from Leoden from Vecklinish, who says, Hello, just started listening to the podcast, and I have one that seems everyone is missing lore-wise. Everyone is wondering who told Vol'jin to pick Sylvanas as warchief, and there's someone people are forgetting with the trolls. Hakar, we know he still exists, and that he said he'd come back for us at the end of ZG in Cataclysm. Thanks, love the show, Leoden. That is true. Those points are true. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you up front, I don't think it's Hakar. I don't think it's uh, him, but that is a good point. Hakar's still out there somewhere. My problem is that I want Hakar to show up because if I were Hakar, I'd be like, what, Blood God? What do you mean you're the Blood God? I'm the Blood God. That's my gig. You can't just take my gig. Uh, but in, that's, even, that's even touched on. The Blood Trolls come from Hakar worshippers. The ones that are worshipping Gahoon right now, they come from a cult of Hakar worshippers. Initially, the, yeah. Yeah, the origin of that whole original Blood Troll tribe, which you, you learn if you do the uh, King's Rest and Atal Dazar, that's from Hakar. So I want to see more of Hakar. I, I, I really was amazed. Cause you, you, you got um, exalted with the Zandalar back in Classic too, right? I did, yes. And they don't like me. Yeah, Even it's though I'm exalted with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite <laughs> I'm like, I should that. get bonus points for that. Why don't I get bonus points for that? Because I already ground to exalted with you guys once. You know, I'm just saying. You should, you should at least know my name. Uh, but yeah, anyway. be familiar with me somehow, you know, if even if it was just like one of those moments, like, uh, you remember where if you did the whole chain in vanilla with Bolvar and then you went to Wrath and you ran into Bolvar in Winterspring, he said, oh, yeah, I remember you. We fought a dragon or whatever. Yeah, it was like that, that cool little nod. Right. Um, even if they had something like that, where there was just like that cool little nod that says, oh, yeah, I see you. I remember you. Okay. Yeah. That would be cool. I'd be I'd be all for that. Anyway, my point being, like, they were fighting. There was the Zandalari who were fighting Kakar back then. They were the ones who were sending you into Zolgarub, um, and then the, later on, it was the Zandalari who sent you into Zolgarub. The, the ones who were responsible for bringing um, Jindo back when he captured Hakar and enslaved him. So the Zandalari should the Hakar feels tied to the Zandalari. There should be something going on here, and the fact that he's not around bothers me. I'm just wondering that because we took Gahoon out. 
you know, like all of the stuff that went down in the raid, if the blood trolls will suddenly turn back to Hakkar and go, hey, um, remember us? Yeah, we think you're totally cool again. Want yeah. to play? <laughs> Just to see yeah. what so would happen. Look, look who's come crawling back. It's the <laughs> yeah. blood trolls. Yeah. yeah. No, I would like it, to see something that touched upon Hakkar's it would give them. It would give them a new focal point. And I really like the blood trolls as far as like villains go, flat out villains go. They are interesting. Yeah, they're in a that, creepy bunch. In that, wow, you guys are just really something else kind of way. They're, they're interesting. I, I really like hearing about them and seeing about them. And I kind of hope that this isn't the last we hear from them. No, that especially, would be, that would I be mean, even in terms of like model design and everything, they're just, they're really fascinating. Um, all right. Well, that kind of wraps that one up. So let's move down to another one. Uh, this one is from Seal Pillows on Etrig, who says, Hello, Matt and Anne. I've been playing WoW off and on since vanilla, and I've enjoyed pretty much every Blizzard game otherwise. Um, this is a really long email, so I'm just going to pluck the questions out of here. Uh, this one is, I have noticed that there are some bugs that seem pretty big that slip through this time around. Do you think this has something to do with the quick turnaround? My theory is since they already have a demo for WoW Classic that they must have pulled some experienced developers off of Battle for Azeroth at some point. What do you think? I don't think the second part of your, your statement is true. Yeah, like I don't I, think that's the case at all. Uh, I, I'm going to say that I know some people who work on WoW's dev teams and they've flat out told me, nope, we didn't do that. So That's not yeah. how that worked. Yeah, but in terms of when you have a system where you you you're trying to get stuff out to a schedule, um, stuff can slip by, um, and I think part of the problem isn't necessarily time, but it's scale. The, this game is huge, and it's a huge game running on even with the revamps, even with the change arounds to new engines. It's a huge game that still kind of runs on code that was invented in 2000 for. The, the the original prototype for a very game that is very now, old you know. code yeah and stuff is there's gonna be bugs they're gonna happen and i do think there's always going to be time pressure that that can make it worse i don't necessarily feel like oh well they're just rushing stuff out now i don't think that's fair or accurate but i do think that when you are trying to get stuff out more often because like think about the, the the pace of content delivery they hit in legion and what they're going for in this expansion. Because we, we've got... 8.1's on the PTR right now. And yeah. has been on the PTR for a couple of weeks. Um, so I would not be surprised to see 8.1 come out just after BlizzCon at this point. So The, the pace that they've set that. for themselves was pretty good in Legion. Like, things were being released, but they weren't being released too quickly. It was just quick enough that you weren't getting too bored. And the time lapse between the end of Legion and the beginning of Battle for Azeroth was significantly better than what we saw in Warlords and in Missa Pandaria even because Missa Pandaria we had the Timeless Isle we had the Siege of Orgrimmar and then we waited a year um, yeah. and with Warlords we got you know Hellfire Citadel and all that and then we waited a year and this time around we didn't have to wait all that time I'm wondering would it have been better do you think if we had had to wait that year I don't really know because here's, the situation is I don't think a lot of these bugs would have showed up until they were on live servers. Until because they lots did and lots, test and lots of people game. were playing. Yeah. yeah. They, the, the problem we had, like some of the bugs were just weird. 
And I don't think, I think they were the kind of weird where they, there was bugs happening that didn't happen to everyone. And when a bug like that happens, like one of the bugs that comes to mind is there was a bug involving the war fronts. Yeah. Uh, and some, some people were getting the quests and some of them weren't. And some people could get the quests on multiple characters and some people couldn't. I don't feel like it's the kind of thing you can test like comprehensively, even with like a group of 10,000 people on the PTR or 20,000 people on the PTR compared to millions of people playing it in live. It's just the, 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 the things shake out more readily. It's just, part of the problem i mean they have q a they've got a testing department and they do test they test exhaustively and you still stuff gets missed so i don't know i i it's one of the situations where i don't feel i don't feel like it's it's undue haste causing bugs so much as it's just bugs getting by and i don't know if it's a case yeah, of just not certain... enough time you have certain classes that feel like they didn't really get a fair shake and they're not performing as well as they could be performing. I'm going to t just bring up Shaman here because, of course, we're going to bring up Shaman because they've been talking about this throughout beta, like throughout the beta experience. And then we get to live and it's like nothing has changed or things have changed, but they haven't changed in enough of a significant fashion for for players that play those classes to feel like their concerns were ever addressed. So it's it's one of those situations where it's like would it have been better to make everybody wait an extra month, two, three, four, six, so that those issues could be addressed prior to the expansion coming out? Or I don't know. Then think of it this way: the game came out in late August. Yeah. And we've now had it. You know, let's say of all like the end of August, all of September, and now all of October. Would you have rather not had the game till say end September? or even now so that they could get shamans balanced properly. And there's no guarantee they would have gotten shamans balanced properly. They just would have had more time to try. See, and my answer to that is immediately going to be no, but that's because I don't play a shaman. I don't, I, I have think, a shaman alt, but I don't play a shaman like full time or anything. And I think so that's that part of the problem. It feels yeah. kind of selfish on my part, but I would rather have the game, you know, but yeah. I'm sure there are shaman players who are like, we would have waited if you guys would just like, you know, addressed everything. But here's the other problem. One of the things that Ian said, and he, he said it a while back, and I've always remembered, it was like that at certain point you have to say, okay, this isn't good. We're going to have to look at this again. And you move on. Because that's the, the cost of, moving, of doing development. So I do think there is a cost to getting games out faster, but I don't think it's necessarily the bugs. Because that wasn't, shamans weren't underperforming because of bugs. Shamans were underperforming because the design wasn't yeah. working. Yeah, and that was that's it. A, that's a different and much harder problem to fix. Yeah. Because if it's a bug, you can just go, oh, we'll just flip this this way. Okay, now they're working right. But if the design isn't working, that's not something you can tune with, okay, make them make them hit harder, make them heal harder. That's a deeper like, issue you have to look yeah. at. And at this point, it would be like, seriously, I don't know when we can fix that. Because that requires us to sit down and come up with an alternative design, push that alternative design live, which means someone has to code it out. Then we have to test it. Then we have to test it some more. You know, I get why we're only now talking about changes to shamans to try and address these issues because it it's more than it's more than a month or two. You would probably it's... not get the game till next year. Yeah, I think it's just frustrating to some people, and I and I understand their frustration, even though I don't, like I said, I don't play that class, like, full-time or anything. I have an alt, but my alt is, 
elemental and I haven't like tried playing that alt at all in Battle for Azeroth because it's just one of the alts, one of many that I have sitting there. Um, I don't I, I get where they're coming from though because oh yeah me too because I played, spend a, I played all a prop that warrior in, in Burning Crusade I had the yeah, exact same experience when you when you spend all that time on beta offering feedback and and you know saying hey this isn't working here here's why here's what's going on with this and then it's just simply not addressed that's got to be frustrating I mean super frustrating so I feel for them in that aspect and and I don't know. I just I yeah, don't I, know what they could have done differently. I don't think it's necessarily a time thing, or more accurately, yes, it's a time thing, but it's not a time thing that just taking more time fixes. It's a time thing where you're gonna have to you at some point have to say, okay, we're gonna have to go back to the drawing board on this, and we can't wait and make like a bunch of other classes wait for us to do that, and that's unfortunate. And if you play that class that it's happening to, because like I said, I played a prop warrior back in Burning Crusade when literally. Of the three tank classes at that time, one of them couldn't hold area effect threat, and I was playing it, and yeah. I was raiding on it. You, there's a fight in 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 Zulaman with the Dragonhawk boss. Yes. And back in in VC, trying to tank that was an agonizing series of failures as a prop warrior because you just couldn't do it. Meanwhile, you needed a paladin. <laughs> paladins or druids could hold, could do it. Paladins yeah. much easier, and it was painful and. So yeah, I've been there. I know that sometimes the design isn't right. Sometimes it doesn't get right for a long time. Sometimes you have to live with this terrible design and that happens and it's not good. It's really frustrating, yeah. particularly if it's a class you really love and you've been playing for years and years and years. Yeah. You know. I mean, like I said, back in at the end of Mists, I remember I was writing, I think I was writing a column every month going on about how I hated Colossus Smash and how it was terrible. And how it forced Fury into a, a play style where you didn't do anything. For, I like, remember ever. that. Yeah, I, I must have written one every month. And they finally changed it. But they didn't change it to the end of the expansion. I was like arguing about that one all year. And nobody cared. Well, that wasn't that nobody cared. They care. They are listening. They are looking at what people are saying. But they couldn't fix it. And I understood later. Not at the time. At the time I was furious. But I understood later. Yeah, that's the cost of actually getting the game out. Is Sometimes it isn't what I want. And I do feel like them, the thing they've done with dropping content faster means we are going to be in those situations more often. That's inescapable. Uh, they're not going to have the time we want them to have. And, but I, I feel like, I feel like with this expansion and how this expansion is being received. And I mean, I feel like Blizzard is getting a very clear picture of what was working, what was not working. So they know what to adjust going into future expansions. I, I think I, I feel like game development in some ways it's like a, a persistent learning experience where you're always yeah. learning and you're always growing and you're always picking something up and, and learning from the things that didn't quite work the expansion before. I mean, look at what we had with Warlords and then look at what we had with Legion. It was just a completely different experience um, and it was an improvement huh. on every single level. Yeah, Battle for Azeroth isn't quite living up to what Legion gave us, but I don't think it's a bad expansion. I don't. I think that there are things in there that they need to iron out, but I don't think it's one of those ones where it's like, I just don't know why I want to log on and play. I do want to log on and play, you know? I can, I'll can. someday, I'll flat out sit down and write the, you know, five ways Battle for Azeroth is better than Legion because it does have things it does better. It does. It um, absolutely does. 
But, you know, again, I think it's, it's like following the Beatles. The Beatles aren't when even when the Beatles were at their heyday, they were never the best musicians in the world. There were other rock bands that had better musicians in every aspect. They had better guitarists, better drummers, better singers, better songwriters. It didn't matter. You didn't have to be the best when you were the Beatles. And I feel like we have that going on with Legion. It just it managed to tick so many boxes and hit so many people right where they wanted it to be hit. I, I'm giving that, you the biggest side eye right now, but that's just because I'm a real big Beatles fan. <laughs> even the Beatles themselves would admit it. Look at yeah. like you know, if you, there were plenty of musicians out there that people in the Beatles would have told you, oh yeah, he's a better guitarist than I am. It didn't matter. John John Lennon and Paul McCartney didn't have to be the best songwriters in the world because they were the, they were Lennon and McCartney. They had the Beatles songs. It's like, yeah, okay, maybe I'm not as good as you, but I wrote that album. What what you got? You gonna top you gonna top Abbey Road for me? <laughs> the white album? You got something? Okay, I'm gonna just go on being the Beatles some more. Okay, well we're running over, so we should probably yeah. wrap it up. Um Ciobelos, I don't know if that answered your question, but hey, you got some lively debate out of the experience, so there's that. Um Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Ian. Uh, again, guys, if you have some email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we guys know it's for this show. Um, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll be here next week. 